Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. Welcome to this very special edition of the Whitfield Report. Uh, we're doing a uh, James Bond kind of uh, special show. And joining us for uh, this segment is Mark Hunt, um, who is a host of the Plant of the Apes podcast. And also, I've known him for a couple of years through the Dennis Miller uh old radio show forums, and if you remember a few weeks ago, we had Christian uh, Blatt on to discuss Norm MacDonald, and uh, so Mark is from that universe, at least from kind of where I know him, so uh, Mark, welcome to the show, and um, just what's your background kind of, I, I guess, in terms of the whole podcasting? You've been at this for a while. Yeah, um... Well, first of all, it's great to great to be on here. Great to finally talk to you after mostly just chatting online and through message boards for years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I started. Uh. My son, who at the time was maybe a freshman in high school, and uh, one of my uh, one of my best friends I've known forever, who's about my age. Three of us back in I'm going to say 2013 decided to do a podcast, and. We decided we just out of the blue picked Planet of the Apes, something that there wasn't really a lot of podcasts of, unlike something like Star Wars or Star Trek, where there's hundreds of. Um, we just got together and we decided we would talk about Planet of the Apes. My son, um, who never saw him, never saw him. I thought it'd be interesting to get um, a younger person's perspective. So we just, I mean, our podcast is basically we went through all the movies. Uh, the new ones, the old ones, Tim Burton, the TV show, the cartoon show, comics, books, just a little bit of everything, just doing a roundtable discussion. And we've been doing that for years. And then uh, once COVID hit, it was getting harder and harder for us to get together. So for the last year, I've just been kind of going solo doing uh, what I call coffee and quarantine commentaries, where I'm watching the TV show with a cup of coffee and uh, just chatting through the whole thing. And uh, yeah. hope to get back together soon with the guys and uh, keep going. But yeah, we're still going. Podcast of the Apes. I think it's you Google us. We're pretty much everywhere. So kind of like a riff tracks style style deal. These these are the previous ones weren't. Uh, the previous ones we would watch them in our own time, and then we would just get together and just talk about them. Um, yeah. In fact, in fact, you know, like we we mentioned, we were uh, our mutual love of Dennis Miller. I think in one of our earlier episodes, um, Dennis Miller's a guest on the show, and I got to interview him. And we did about a quick 15-minute interview, and we talk about Planet of the Apes. We talk about Bordello of Blood. We even talk a little James Bond. So mm -hmm. uh, so that was one of the thrills. Uh, that's like my big claim to fame with podcasting is I got to interview Dennis Miller. Yeah, I actually uh... – I have to admit, I stole your handle for uh, Discord at one point because I I know that you're originally Rafe Gutman and Bordello Rafe Blood Gutman. is also one of my uh, favorite B movies, as it were. 
So I I had that for a brief period of time, and I'm like, oh wait, that's actually Marx. So, what? I did not know that. <laughs> so yeah, there there were there were two Rafe Gutmans running around out there well, on the internet. Three, I guess technically three if you count Dennis. Yeah, well he's well he's the he's, he's the Rafe, Rafe, yeah Rafe, he's Rafe Prime as I call him. Yeah. So, um, but. As you and I discovered several years ago, we're kind of the Bond aficionados, I guess, of the uh, of the Dennis Miller uh, form, I guess. Um, and you, I mean, I consider myself kind of an aficionado, but you have infinitely. As you see behind me here. Yeah, you have everything, I and mean, you have a poster of for for those listening on audio. I think there's like a poster of. Craig on the wall there, and there's uh, also like a couple of figurines back oh, there. And I have there's about three bookcases behind me. You're only seeing a small portion. Um, plus, I have an upstairs TV room that's it's got a high ceiling. It's about two stories tall. It's very high. It's I've probably got a dozen James Bond posters up there. Yeah, I, you're only I've seeing seen a, a fraction of the collection here. I've seen uh, pictures of it, and it's it's very impressive. So, um, how did you get into to Bond? Uh, kind of that's always interesting. It's wow. I guess my first run in with James Bond. I mean, I was born. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was born in 1970. So, you know, the summer of '77 when Star Wars came out. You know, that was kind of every kid just was a star wars nut and sure. i remember it was uh years later it was probably 79 ish i remember before empire had come out i was in my friend's one over to my best friend's house and uh his name was bj and he had a collection of star wars tops trading cards and i was flipping through them and like oh this is cool this is cool and i started finding these other trading cards of something called moonraker and it's got you know, this giant guy with big metal teeth and it's, it's got a guy in a space suit with a tuxedo underneath and he's got laser guns. And I'm like, what in the world is this? And he's like, oh, it's a spy movie thing. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, another sci-fi movie for me to get into. And it was back then, this is pre-DVD, pre-VHS. Right. The only way to see James Bond movies, they would occasionally, most of the time back then they were airing them on the ABC network as the Sunday night movie. Yeah. I would, my, I would catch snippets of them and it really, and I, so I started, kind of started to learn who James Bond was, but it wasn't really, and I, you know, I, I saw him on Roger Moore on the Muppet show and it really wasn't until, um, actually my friend BJ, I went over to his house after for your eyes only had it been out for a while. And it was on HBO. His family had HBO and it was one Saturday morning. I was like, it came on and we decided to sit and watch it. And I fell in love with it. I thought I loved it. I loved it. Kind of fell in love with that whole genre and just kind of, that's where it pretty much began. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting because for me and for a lot of my uh, friends, I mean, I, I was born in the nineties. And so like a lot of, folks my age my my first exposure to bond was with goldeneye not the movie but with the uh, game 
with, with the game that came out for the N64. And then, and then, like, I remember, like, I, I played the uh, Tomorrow Never Dies game, and I'm like, wait, this is a movie series? <laughs> because they, yep. they were, uh, you know, they... They like inserted little like movie clips in in the game, and so I went back and watched the Pierce Brosnan uh, films, and then really got into it. And then like around the time I was twelve or so, like I did a whole kind of uh, that was when the first kind of like mega collection of DVDs had like come out, and so I did like a I did like a massive uh, watch through. Me and my best friend did and then uh that was like in 2000 i think that was like in 2004 or 5 and that was and then daniel craig got announced as the uh as the bond so it's it's weird because i kind of i consider pierce brosnan to kind of be the bond i grew up with and um Mm -hmm. it's very interesting because i i remember i mean i i often say i'm old enough to remember when people kind of were reluctant about Daniel Craig being oh the time. new the new Bond. I mean, there was there was big animus, uh, you know, towards yeah. Uh, they, someone had started a website like CraigNotBond.com, and yeah, the press, the press conference where he comes up, they they introduced him, they they brought him in on a boat off the Thames, yeah, an outdoor press conference set up, and he comes in, and he's got a he's wearing a life jacket. And I mean, the press just ridiculed him. He was blonde. He, he, for, he was wearing a life jacket on a boat. They just thought he was just not going to be Bond. There was, they were just not convinced. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember, I remember that. And I mean, I, I actually went back and kind of rewatched that clip last night after, uh, my live stream. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, he, he looked like way different, like in, you know, within a year, kind of the transformation that he uh, did, you know, for Casino Royale was pretty, uh, you know, impressive. I, well, before, before that had come out, I went back and he had done a movie because as soon as I found out he was going to be Bond, I was like, okay, I got to research this guy. I got to find out everything I can about him. And he had done a movie called Layer Cake. Yeah, he played a gangster in that movie, and he's really good. I went and saw that. Uh, I think I rented a DVD or something. I thought, okay, he's actually really good. I saw, I can kind of see it, and I didn't even know it. He was one of my favorite TV shows was um, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and he played a bad guy on that. I was like, right, okay, I very bit part. So I kind of was. I, I the more I kind of dug into his past and his career, I was like, okay, I think this guy could do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think the big thing with Craig was in Casino Royale was I think the expectations were so low. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. That when Casino Royale came out and did what it did, people people were, I mean, just kind of amazed that not only was he, you know. Not only did he pull off a good bond, but in many people's minds, he he then kind of became the definitive James Bond. Oh, which... I mean, if you look at a lot of people's, I know a lot of Bond fans, their top three Bond movies, almost a lot of them, Casino Royale's up there with a lot of Bond fans. Yeah, I mean, it in Casino Royale is like a is like a strong entry, and the thing about 
the thing about Craig's um, movies is I've noticed they kind of have like an up and down type of uh, path. They're they're either really good or they're really they're really bad. Like Casino Royale scores like very high, and then uh, you know Quantum of Solace. Uh, you know, did poorly, and I think that was mostly because of the writers' strike that happened that year. Yeah, they pretty when, much. Uh, I don't even know if they had a completed script when they started filming. Yeah, I mean, which uh, is why it's only about ninety minutes long. It's, a, it's probably the shortest Bond movie ever. Yeah, well, and then on the flip side, I guess from what I've read, No Time to Die is the longest Bond. Almost film. three hours. I think two hours forty-five is what I'm hearing. Yeah, like I've I've tried to avoid spoilers but i had to go online for two things i had to find out a is it woke because that's one thing that like a lot of people were were afraid yeah and and i i kind of was too especially especially with like all the me too articles that like sean connery that you know came out that were kind of like just ridiculous um and then you know the the length too and you know Fortunately, from what I've heard, it's not woke. And no, so then, I'm, I'm hearing it's not woke. That's not what's polarizing about it. Apparently, the ending is the pol- I, I know, and I haven't seen it. I've avoided all spoilers, but I'm hearing, like, I know just by picking through different Bond sources and, and, and fans that I know, it's up and down. Some people did not like the ending. Some people love the ending. So I'm hearing all sorts. So I'm really intrigued about this ending that I'm that I'm hearing about. Which, and again, I'm that's all I I'm I'm trying to stay away from everything else. I don't know anything else about it. Yeah, same same here. All yeah. I mean, I a few people a few people have like tried to tag me in spoilers, but I've kind of like swiped and deleted them yes. before I've been able to you know. Um, same. Yeah. Um. You know, it which is getting harder and harder to do with you know the internet just being what it is. But, and the fact um, that the UK has, they 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 had preview showings. I think the the premiere was last Tuesday, and but and they were having preview shows on Wednesday. I think it officially opened on Friday, and so all the UK has seen it, and it's they're all over the internet now. And I mean, we still I have tickets for Wednesday night, and I still got three more days and I'm like I'm just trying as best I can to avoid everything I can yeah and then the theaters here in Florida like I have I haven't found any early shows um except for Friday yeah so like I'm I'm still like I'm still really? almost... you got you're waiting till yo you you don't you the earliest you get is Friday I'm I'm trying to see if maybe I can if like maybe there's a theater here that um does early but like the thing it is too is you have to pay like extra for those here i think so yeah i i I filled out a pretty penny for my i i go i'm going wednesday night to an imax showing and uh yeah it's not too cheap my i'm probably going to do a second and third by the by the weekend and i'll you know i'll just go regular digital cheapy couple matinees maybe but yeah I, i i i shelled out for the uh for the imax on wednesday Hey, well, it's, it's it's Craig's, you know, last one, so might as well. And, you know, as I mentioned to you on Facebook, I'd love to do a follow-up to this, just kind of like a, a spoiler oh. 
reaction. So, you know, by then there will be a lot to get um, into. But one thing I want to kind of ask you is so far, where would you kind of rank all the all the bonds? The actors or the movies? The the actors. You know, people ask me that all the time. And honestly, I don't really have a ranking. I mean, I always say what my favorite bond is usually the bond I'm watching at the moment. Um, I mean, Roger Moore was my first. I love Roger. I went back and watched Sean Connery and loved Sean Connery. I found a VHS copy of Honor Majesty's Secret Service and watched it and adored that movie. I, I had heard people yeah. say, oh, that's the one to avoid. I loved it. And I thought Lazenby was really, really good. And then um, in 87, I was like 16, Living Daylights came out. And that and the lead up to that, I remember seeing an interview with Timothy Dalton and whom I, as soon as I saw him, I was like, Oh my God, this guy's going to be perfect. And he said he was, he was going to go back to the books in his portrayal. So that encouraged me to start reading James Bond. And because of Timothy Dalton, I really got into the novels and I saw living daylights. And after that license to kill, and I adore Timothy Dalton. He, I, I mean, I don't want to say he's my favorite, but, he, you know, I just, I loved those movies. I loved his portrayal. And all this time I, I was a big, it was weird. I, I had my own little TV set and one TV show I used back in the eighties, I used to never miss was Remington Steel. I loved Remington Steel. So when Pierce took over and uh, when he got a second chance at it after having to bow out for Living Daylights, when he got to actually do it in GoldenEye, I loved Pierce Brosnan. I thought his yeah. movies, I loved his portrayal. I'm not a huge fan of Die Another Day, but it's not, but even when I watch Die Another Day and roll my eyes at certain scenes, Timothy, or uh, Pierce Brosnan is spot on. I mean, the man, he get, delivers such a great performance in, in all four of his movies. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the material, in my opinion, in Die Another Day didn't serve him well. He brought it, he was amazing. And um, Daniel Craig, I love Daniel Craig as well. I'm, I, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm a sad to see him go, but, uh, you know, I'll reserve judgment on No Time to Die till I see it. But so far, I love something about each and every actor who's played Bond. And Same. I really, I, I really couldn't pick one over another. Same here. I mean, the the one the one criticism that. Uh, you know, Daniel, I mean, not that Daniel Craig gets, but that Roger Moore gets is that his movies are really, you know, campy. And yeah, I mean, a lot of his, a lot of his movies, particularly by like the early 80s, get to be ridiculous. But I've always kind of said, well, you know, Roger Moore is kind of like portraying the Hugh Hefner uh, of, yeah, the, I mean, of the James Bonds. No so, matter how, I mean, what I, one thing I will say about Roger Moore when you watch the two first ones, like Live and Let Die and Man with the Golden Gun, those are more reality-based. Yeah. He is, I love his portrayal in those movies. And it's cra- It's weird how, much like Pierce Brosnan in Die Another Day, no matter how crazy it gets in Spy, you know, Spy Who Loved Me, he's got the bigger gadgets, Moonraker, he's going on a shuttle. Roger Moore always plays it straight. 
only I I love the fact that he can do the crate. He can get on a space shuttle and go to a st- space station with laser guns, or he can stand off the edge of a cliff with an assassin who's teetering in a car and deliver a cold blooded line and kick the car and send him to his death. He he has yeah he's consistent through no matter how how it is how crazy it is even in a view to a kill when he's clearly getting up there. You know, it's old. It's an older Bond. I, 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 I love his performance in that movie. I mean, it's movie's got some issues, but um, I don't know. Roger Moore. I, I think, yeah, some of the movies get a little up and down, but I think he was a con. I thought he was just consistently cool in those movies. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big Roger Moore fan, and I mean, Moonraker up until recently was one of, up until some uh, adjusted for dollar values is still one of the highest grossing Bond movies of all time. I mean, so he and I and Octopussy, I Octopussy, I must have seen. I love that movie. I I think that's an a real, that's one of my favorite. If I of the Roger Moore's Octopussy is one of my favorite movies. And you know, yeah, he's starting. He's definitely starting to show his age, but I think that's a solid story, and. I I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, he um I mean he he was he still has I believe the longest tenure as Well, he has the most seven. movies. Yeah. He's got 7 movies under his belt. Connery technically has 7. He's got 6 and then he's got a 7th unofficial one. Right. Um length of time though, Daniel Craig has been Bond longer than anyone. He started in I mean, if you talk, start in 06 with Casino, he's going on like 15 years as Bond, and nobody yeah. held the crown that long. So time-wise, he's been Bond the longest. But as far as official Bonds, Roger's got seven, and then Sean's got six with an asterisk with that Never Say Never Again. Is yeah. Bond movie. Which is... Which is very polarizing in a in a in and of itself because some oh, people yeah. hate some people hate that movie, some people love it. And I the first time I saw it, I I wasn't a I wasn't aware that that it was an official tie-in. So at for at first I was kinda of like, What's this? But then but then once I did like some more reading and kind of like watched it again, I'm kinda of like, Oh, it's it's not great, but I like it for what it is. Mm-hmm. For what it is, so, um, and then Dalton, I feel, is still kind of underrated. Oh, in and, my opinion, very underrated. Yeah. Although you know, I think people are more and more coming around to him. Um, the BBC this past summer, uh, the BBC did a poll of the top rank, you know, with all their viewers rank the Bonds, and of course, number one was Sean Connery. Number two was Timothy Dalton. He beat out Roger Moore, Daniel Craig, everyone else in a BBC poll. So his stock value has gone up. A lot of people are going back and discovering Timothy Dalton. Yeah, and then I and then I've read like some crazy uh like I've read some like crazy supposed treatments for what would have been his third movie. And I don't yeah, know. It's a great book. I've got it around here somewhere. There's a great book that's the lost stories of James Bond that just came out. And the author got a hold of the treatments and um, it's an, it's, it's really interesting. 
it's really interesting at what that third Bond movie, because it sounded like they were going to try, because as dark as License to Kill was, they were going to try and go into maybe a little bit of a lighter tone. Yeah, I I read a treatment or something. It might have been a fan fiction because it was on, it might have been like a fan fiction masquerading as like a treatment because it was on Reddit. Uh, who knows? But like I read like a script concept to where like they were going to do the plot kind of of Patriot Games, the 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 uh, the Harrison Ford, uh, you know Tom Clancy movie. They were going to do yeah. that um, kind of in the Bond universe, and then they were actually going to have Angie Everhart as one of the Bond girls, mm. which for, for that alone I mm. think would have been interesting, but. Again, I think that's more or less maybe fan fiction. Yeah, the official, um, yeah, if you get the the Lost Adventures of James Bond, um, I think it's written by a man named Mark Eidlitz, and he has the original, he has the actual, he had access to the actual drafts that were written by the writers. Um, like, I think the opening sequence involved robot guards. So they, there was kind of a robot element into it. Yeah. They were kind of, kind of going in a, in a lighter direction for Timothy after, because some people thought License to Kill was just too dark of a movie for James Bond. So that's, I think they were kind of, which, you know, when you look at Goldeneye, which was the next filmed movie, it is definitely, you know, lighter in tone. Pierce plays it a little lighter. Yeah. Pierce is, Pierce is an interesting one because, a lot of people are like, oh, well, GoldenEye is good, but the rest are complete garbage. And I'm no, like, no, no, no. and I'm like, nah, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, sure. Uh, you know, Tomorrow Never Dies, not perfect. Although I think that one has, I, I think Tomorrow Never Dies has actually aged better because originally it was kind of like, this is insane, you know. Corporate news media would never like you know publish like fake. Oh, no, never. And you know now twenty years later, it's like hmm, this might have been this might actually be the most spot on you know Bond plot. I, uh, yeah, I loved Tomorrow Never Dies, and honestly, I love The World Is Not Enough. I thought the idea that I, I you know I, I'm not a big fan of Denise Richards, but the idea that you know, spoilers to anyone who hasn't seen it, that the Bond girl, Electric King, turns out to be the Bond villain, and she's yeah. behind it all. And the guy you think is the Bond villain, Renard, is actually her henchman. He serves yeah. her. And they are getting revenge against, and doing basically do, doing stuff that Skyfall would later repeat, where someone wants revenge against M., they kidnap M. Bond has to rescue M. Um, you know her life is in danger. Um, but I I love the plot of that movie. I love World Is Not Enough. Now, if you yeah. want to quibble about Die Another Day, that's another discussion. But those first three, those first three, I think are solid films. The the thing with Die Another Day is Die Another Day came out at like a point where the James Bond video game franchise was like really huge, um, especially like on the consoles. And so 
I think that like I think that that movie was kind of used to like market the games, kind of, so to was speak. So another, was there a game for Die Another Day? There wasn't like an official game, but there was Double Some Nightfire that was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of I was kind of hit or miss with the video games. I was kind of in and out. I kind of grabbed a few at the time. I've got a few of the Bond video games here. Oh, yeah. What I got here, but um, yeah, but like for the PS One, definitely. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. I played. Yeah. And 007 Racing. For PS1. I had those. And then, yeah, Agent Under Fire. Yeah, Agent Under Fire and then Night Five were kind of like the two, I guess, like prequel kind of like yes. tie-ins for, um, you know, for like Die Another Day. So, and then I mean. Then Everything or Nothing was one that they came out with and it was kind of marketed as like a Bond movie. Because they got, yeah. it was kind of, because I think Pierce is in it. I, ne- I never got that one. I think they even composed a Bond song for it. So they, they kind of designed it as its own like little movie. They did. That was, that was kind of like Pierce, Pierce's unofficial send off. And they hide die another day. Yeah, that was, that was like, that was like two years uh-huh. after. So that was like Pierce's official send off. And like some people, because Heidi Klum did uh, voiceover and modeling right. work for that, so technically she would be considered a Bond girl if if you count everything or nothing as canon. But that's kind of that. The other interesting thing with canon is now because of um now because of Craig, I I guess they're saying that like Craig's entire run of bond is kind of his own thing i mean the thing about bond canon i kind of look at it kind of like the batman franchise i mean you have different actors take over and they kind of have their own canon they're all bruce wayne they all share a similar past but i mean and they're all they all because you know timothy you know you have sean connery and then immediately George Lazenby, and then, you know, he kind of, you know, he looks at all the stuff, so he obviously had the same adventures that Connery did, and and that's tied together. He marries Tracy, she gets killed. Then you go into Roger Moore, and he's his own Bond, but, you know, he's had similar experiences. We see him at the graveside of Tracy, his, his wife, and, you know, he, he, uh, later, uh, kind of meets Blofeld, I guess, in For Your Eyes Only. And then you get Timothy Dalton, who's obviously older and wasn't a young guy during Goldfinger, but you kind of get the idea that he had kind of those adventures as well. They talk about his wife being, you know, in License to Kill, they make another reference back to Tracy, his wife that died. So it's like each Bond kind of, they all share a kind of a similar history in their own way. Um, And then Pierce the same way. He kind of, you know, in Die Another Day, there's, you see all the, he's in Q's shop and you see all the different gadgets and everything. Yeah. And, you have, and then, but then within each of these sort of little multiverse, I guess, if you want, certain characters carry over. Like M. Bernard Lee was acted alongside three different Bonds. Q acted 
uh, Desmond Llewellyn worked with five different bonds. And so, you know, obviously he's not, when he's interacting with Pierce Brosnan, he's not thinking, oh, boy, your face changes all the time. You just kind of, it just kind of understood that these were each a little soft reboot. Right. And with Daniel Craig, I kind of see it, it seems like it's going to wind up being, using the Batman analogy, kind of like the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, where it's going to be, you had Batman Begins, and then in the last one, Dark Knight Rises, you see him leave and stop being Batman. I get the idea that that's what this is going to be. You see Bond become a double O, and I'm, I don't know, in t- tomorrow, No Time to Die, I think it's going to be an ending where he stops being double, uh, 007, maybe. I don't know. So yeah. it's kind of its own thing as well. So I don't, I just kind of, it's it's one of those things I'm like, you know, it is it is what it is. I just kind of accept it. It doesn't yeah. bother me. And, and when whoever takes over after this, it's probably going to be someone younger, someone probably in their 30s. And I hope they bring M, Q, Money, Penny, and Tanner from the Craig movies and carry them over. But, you know, just with the understanding that, okay, this is a different universe and they're just used to working with this Bond like they did in the previous movies. Right. I really love those actors and I love those characters. I mean, they kind of did that with, with Judy Dench. I mean, she was the M for Pierce Brosnan, but then when they reboot it and Bond is having his origin story in Casino Royale, here she is making it, making him a double O, which of course would contradict everything in Goldeneye where she comes along at the end. He's already a double O when she first meets him. Right. But yeah. It's, it's another time you know it's a, just another character's time stream if you if you want to use a sci-fi reference and you just accept it so i i hope they you know i hope when we get another bond that 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 carries over and i'll just accept that this is a brand new story with a brand new bond yeah and i mean they they've done that with uh you know bond in the books too a, a little bit uh you know the they they've mostly kept it to Fleming to kind of like Fleming's, you know, Bond in the yes. books. But there have been like a few spin-offs where they, they've like rebooted Bond yeah. in the books. Right. When you get into the, like, to jump to the novels, I mean, Ian Fleming's novels were set pretty much the 50s and kind of crossed into the 60s a little bit. And then you, John Gardner takes the same character, keeps him at that age, and you just accept everything that happened is canon. He's just now kind of jumped ahead in time. And then Raymond Benson took over in around 2000. Again, it's the same character with the same past. He went through all the same adventures, but now he's jumped to present day. And then it really wasn't until, and then there, there's been some standalone authors who some have kept him in present day. And then the most recent author, Anthony Horowitz, He's taken him back, and he's writing period novels. So he wrote a prequel. Well, he wrote a, first he wrote a sequel to Man with a Golden Gun it, that's period piece. And then he went right. back and wrote a prequel to Casino Royale, which is a 50s period piece. Which I, which I, think, is, which I think is really well done. And oh, I love it. He's got a third one coming out next year. I cannot yeah, wait. Yeah, I saw that. So when, so you know, when people complain about the, my point with that is when people complain about the actors always changing chronology and whatnot. I'm like, well, they've done the same thing with with books and yeah. even you know, like I know that 
like Dynamite Comics was even doing like a James Bond like comic book series. Oh, it's for, still going on. Yeah, I've I've got all the I've got all the graphic novels. It's for still a going. While. Yeah, there's yeah. a brand new one that comes out next month. Yeah, our mutual our mutual friend Rob Lorch actually uh, told me about about that. So oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. I, I I've been really enjoying the Dynamite series. Yeah. So in terms of um, who should be the next Bond? I mean, yeah, another man. I mean, I honestly, I think they're going to go with I, everyone. You know, I keep hearing Henry Cavill, Tom Hardy. I don't think they're going, they're not going with any big, yeah, right now, Henry Cavill is the Witcher, he's Superman, Tom Hardy's Venom, and I think he's supposed to be Mad Max again. They never seem to go with the big star. Right. Um, they, Connery was an unknown, George Lazenby was an unknown, Roger Moore was a TV actor, Timothy Dalton wasn't really a starring role kind of guy. He was actually the second choice. They were going after TV actor Pierce Brosnan when they couldn't get him. They got uh, Timothy Dalton, who, again, I had only seen in Flash Gordon. I, I really didn't know much about Timothy Dalton at all. And then with Daniel Craig, I remember, you know, everyone, like now, everyone's saying Henry Cavill's the favorite. Back in 06 or 05 when it was going into pre-production, everyone was certain it was Clive Owen. Everyone was saying Vegas odds say Clive Owen is the next Bond. We we're, we've got the scoop. Clive Owen is the next James Bond, and then they come out and they say it's Daniel Craig, and everyone's like, "Who's huh? Who?" And so I I have a feeling that the next one's going to be the same way. I don't think anybody knows except maybe the Broccoli's. Um, I you know I don't know if there's anyone out. Th- I you know I just trust them to pick the whoever. I there's um I do kind of like there's a British actor named Aiden Turner. Oh yeah, I've, I've... I like I he I I'd known him from the Hobbit movies. He was a dwarf, and then he's mostly known as a TV actor now. He stars in a series called Poldark, but he did an Agatha Christie movie a couple years ago. It's on Amazon Prime called And Then There Were None, and there's a scene where they all come to dinner, and of course it's England, so they all dress up for dinner. He walks in in a tux, and he's got a cigarette, and he sits down, and he's smoking. And I remember watching that movie like, damn, if he would not be an amazing Bond, he looked like Ian Fleming's Bond. Yeah. He's kind of got a, a slimmer build. He's kind of got the, the features where you could kind of almost Tim, almost Timothy Dalton-esque. And I would love to see Tim, uh, Aiden Turner as James Bond. I think he would be a really good actor. Yeah, I think he, he would be good too. And, and like you... I've I've told my people like they're not going to pick anyone from the mainstream. Like they're going to pick some guy yeah. that they're going to pick some guy that we've probably never heard of. And if we have, it's because like those of us who are diehard, you know, movie and TV people will have, you know, heard of. Right. Um you know, it I I doubt it's going to be I mean, people, I keep hearing Henry Cavill and I'm like, I see it, but I just, his star power is already too big. Maybe like, maybe that if they had gotten to him before he did, before he did Superman, maybe then I could see it, but. And I've even heard rumors. He, he screen tested back in the Casino Royale days. He was kind of on the radar back then, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't. 
I mean, if he becomes Bond, so be it. I mean, I'm not going to not see the movies. I just, I don't see it. It, it would go against the pattern of everything that they've always done. Which yeah. Um, I just think it's, I, and I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really interesting how the Bond rumor mill gets like started every few years with, with, with who is. That's all they talk about. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I anything else. I mean, at times, even more than Star Wars. I and mean, there's always Star Wars, as a Star Wars, you know, if you follow Star Wars, there's always crazy Star Wars rumors. But man, when it comes to the next James Bond, everybody thinks they know. Everybody thinks they have the inside edge. I, I, well, I remember like a few years ago that, uh, you know, there was that, there was that rumor that Daniel Craig was going to, to quit, you know, being Bond like after, uh, Spectre. And, uh, and, you know, I, I was like, you guys, he's not going to quit. He has one more, he has one more movie in his contract. And the reason he's saying that is because he's tired. He just got, you know, he just got, you know, torn up to hell and back oh he's you know that people don't realize he has especially on quantum of solace and a little every movie he gets beat up he's had like pro athletes level of injuries he's had legs he's had teeth knocked out um there's a great uh documentary on apple tv now called being james bond it's a one-hour special that interviews craig Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, the producers. And he, when they were filming Spectre, they were filming the train sequence with Dave Bautista. And he told Dave Bautista, he's like, you know, go all out. Don't hold back on me. You know, let's make this look real, which he lived to, re- he learned to regret because he got slammed down. And he said he busted his leg so bad that when they went to go film the Mexico scene at the beginning, the day of the dead parade, yeah, there was supposed to be a huge chase, kind of like Casino Royale, where he's they're running and jumping and chasing through the parade, and his leg was in a brace, and he's like, I can't do it. So instead, if you if you remember back, he's kind of walking. Most of the shots are from the waist up, and he's just kind of walking through the crowd, stalking him, which I think actually is pretty effective. And he's he sees he sees Skiara, the guy he's chasing, and he just kind of walks, and it's a very you know he's not running around as much just because he couldn't. He was in such pain and he's, you know, I, and as soon as he got done with the movie, it's like, you know, the press is all over him saying, when are you going to do the next one? When are you going to do the next one? And he's poor guy's trying to recover. He's like, you know, I'd rather slash my wrist than go back and do another Bond movie right now. And people kind of ran with that. And, but, um, you know, and I, you know, heck when I get done mowing the lawn, if somebody, not that I love it, but you know, the last thing you feel like doing is going to do something else, you know, when something takes it out of you, you don't feel like jumping right back in and it, those yeah. are physically demanding for him. Yeah. And I mean, I still bring up the chase scene from Casino Royale as like maybe one of the best, like on foot chase scenes. Oh, no doubt. In a movie ever. Like I, I remember, I remember seeing that in the theater opening day, like as, you know, as a teenager and just being like, Holy shit. You know? <laughs> yes. Like, you know, and it was it was one of those things like, you know, obviously now with YouTube being what it is, you can see clips of almost mm. anything. But, you know, like back then seeing in theater and having like no, you know, having no idea of what was going to, you know, 
be going on. That was amazing. And I always, I always remind people, I'm like, this is the guy who was jumping, who was literally like jumping on off cranes, you know, for. And I'm, I'm someone who's afraid. I'm not big on heights. So when I see him jumping from crane to crane, you're just like, oh my gosh, that's insane. Oh yeah. Insane. Yeah. And the fact that they were, that they were like fist fighting and, you know, doing all this stuff on, on top of, you know, so. And I so, got to yeah. speak of seeing it on the big screen. The first one I ever saw on the big screen was a view to a kill. And I remember sitting in the theater and they're fighting on top of the Golden Gate Bridge. And I remember as a kid just watching that and going, oh, my God, that is crazy. And you kind of watch it back now. Some people only see it on their on TV. But I, back in the day, that was pretty impressive. No, it no, it was. And, and I actually have a funny story about that. So I went. When I was in San Francisco one t- time, I actually went on like a tour bus of um, of San Francisco, and uh, I think if I remember correctly, they actually like shot that scene like pretty close to the actual mm-hmm. Golden Gate Bridge. They they had to like ho- they had to pull like a whole bunch of like permits, but oh yeah, um, and yeah, then like. Don't... They filmed on the Golden Gate Bridge. They filmed at San Francisco City Hall, Fisherman's Wharf. They were on location for a lot of that. Yeah, and then, like, I guess someone, someone like, called the cops because they thought that someone fell, and it turned out to be the dummy that they used for uh, Max Zorn or whatever. Yep. Uh, so, you know, very, so very interesting in terms of that. And, uh... Yeah, and I remember the whole controversy with uh, Idris Elba, you know, being Bond or not. And, you know, there was all that speculation. And I think he would have been good. But I was kind of like, well, he's already he's already John Luther. And well, and plus, he's just I mean, I, I can't say that I'm <clears throat> 51. Um, he's just he's like not that much younger than Daniel Craig. So I don't see them starting a Bond series with someone who's. 50 um, right you know it, he's about 50 now the, it's 2012 we probably won't even see or 2012 2021 we probably won't even see a new bond movie till 2023 2024 maybe it's probably at least going to be another three years before we get another bond so yeah, yeah. It, it's it's whoever they cast i'm imagining right now i would look to the younger actors I mean, yeah. again, we, we've mentioned, I mean, Cavill's still pretty young. Tom Hardy, I think, is even kind of, in a few years, is kind of getting up there uh, a little bit. I just, um, I think it's, you know, whoever they're looking for, I would look to the younger actors right now. Yeah, so, someone mentioned Tom Holland, and I don't see, I don't see Tom Maybe Holland. Maybe not that young. <laughs> Maybe not that young. Well, I don't see Tom Holland from from a sense of yeah he he doesn't i yeah he's too young looking but then also he's he's contracted with disney right now and well yeah he's he's not only is he spider-man i think he just signed on to do the uncharted franchise i think he's nathan drake and they're doing a nathan drake movie and he's nathan drake in it i they may have already filmed too so he's starting a second franchise right now yeah, so he uh, so he already has he already has two like franchises. They're not. I don't think they're going to let him do a third. His agent 
Is At it? least not now. Maybe once those are way behind him and he ages, maybe another 10, 15 years, maybe. But yeah, I yeah. think he's too young. Maybe if they wanted to, to do like a young James Bond, you know, thing, maybe maybe then he would be good for that role. But yeah, I just now, don't. Have you, have you read the uh, young, speaking of young James Bond, have you read the young James Bond books? I I read them when I, I read like the first two or three when I was, a, a kid and then i was kind of like well I'll, then i'll start just reading the the regular fleming novels which is kind of what i uh-huh. kind well, of that's what I cool that's cool yeah i kind of you know honestly i'm i kind of like the young james bond books there i thought i i know a lot of there was a alex Ryder is another one of the kind of literary young person spy series in books yeah and i i think bond came out Ironically, Alex Ryder was written by Anthony Horowitz, the guy who's writing the Bond novels now. Yeah, no, I know. The young, the young Bonds, I think, kind of came out as kind of like a little competition to kind of pull in some of that market. And I thought those were a lot of fun. I liked, I liked the young Bond books. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, I, I read the Alex Ryder books as a kid. So then when Anthony Horowitz got named as the new Bond author, I was like, where have I, where have I seen that name? Oh, yeah. There, there's where I've uh, heard of that. So. He did a TV series. If you if you ever get a chance, there's a TV series he created and wrote. That's not. It, it's kind of delves in the world of espionage. It's called Foils War, and it's a World War II series about uh, a police officer. And uh, it is. They did about seven, six or seven seasons of it. Outstanding. The guy who played uh, Bill Tanner in the. Uh, Pierce Brosnan movies, Michael Kitchen, he stars in the series, and Anthony Horowitz, just an amazing writer, and there's a little bit of a, a, a espionage element to it as well. So, um, yeah, if you're a fan of his, definitely check those, check out that series. Yeah, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're like a big novel reader just in general, but one guy who I've really gotten into since his debut actually is Jack Carr, the former. Uh, U.S. Navy SEAL. He's. I've heard of him. I've heard of him. He's written like these um, military kind of like spy revenge thrillers, and they're really, they're really good. So if you if you like the type of like darker stuff, like uh, like the uh, not the Living Daylights, but License to Kill, it's mm-hmm. kind of like that. With a, it's kind of like a mix of License to Kill with Taken and, uh, you know. Uh, blood sport. Mm. So, um, that's, that's one of the reasons I love License to Kill so much. It reminded me, while not uh, bits and pieces were taken from Ian Fleming, it reminded me a lot of that classic Fleming writing. Like, I could see Fleming's Bond just going out on a revenge mission. Yeah. Like, he just, like, he doesn't care. He didn't care about his job. I mean, and if you've read the novel, uh, You Only Live Twice. That's pretty much what he does. It's it's kind of he goes to take down Blofeld and have a final confrontation with Blofeld to just nothing more than kill him for what he yeah. did to his wife. Yeah, it, yeah. Isn't isn't you only have twice if I remember correctly? Isn't that in the book supposed to be like the sequel to On Her Majesty's? Yeah. It's, been, it's, it's kind of a, they kind of uh, it's kind of a Spectre trilogy. It kind of starts with. Thunderball, the novel, then it goes into On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and then You Only Live Twice is like the ramifications. 
which is kind of disappointing because when the movie came out, after you see on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Lazenby was supposed to come back for the next one, Di- uh, Diamonds Are Forever, and rumor was that they were going to kind of focus on the ramifications of what happened, make it a sequel, but then Lazenby just walked away. He dropped out, and they kind of just, they were like, okay, let's, they and they were able to get Connery back, and they're like, okay, let's just the la- forget the last movie and just kind of pretend and just kind of go from there. But yeah. yeah, they never really got to do a kind of true adaptation of um, the novel You Only Live Twice. But having read that novel and seen the trailer for No Time to Die, I kind of get the idea that they're carrying certain elements from That's... that story are carrying over into this movie. Yeah, with without with without like grading into spoilers. We'll save that for part two. They've uh without like grading into spoilers, the reviews I've read have said that there are definitely elements that like diehard fans will recognize from uh-huh. from the novels of You Only Live. Okay. So you know, I don't know how much of a spoiler that is since it's been like a long time since I've read You Only Live twice but that that idea is interesting mm-hmm. um yeah well we, after we've seen it and we talk afterwards i'll i'll give you a little more insight into that if i think yeah. uh well speaking of movies that we that we have seen and that we can kind of talk spoiler about um i know that you and i both saw the many saints of newark um what are kind of your thoughts on I didn't know that you were a Sopranos fan, but I shouldn't be. A, oh, I, no. But I shouldn't really be surprised. Um, so, what were your kind of thoughts on? Uh they were mixed. Um, I liked the movie. I I was surprised. I mean, I knew, and I don't know. Are we are we spo- doing spoilers in this? Yeah, yeah, we can we can do spoilers. All right, this, oh, all right, it's gonna be just so everybody knows. Completely going into spoilers on this. Um, the way it's marketed, you know, I was expecting way more Tony Soprano and even ahead of time, David Chase coming out in interviews saying, you know, well, this isn't really Tony's story. It's Dickie Moltisanti's story. He wasn't kidding. I mean, Michael Gandolfini, if you've seen the trailer, they, they hit most of the major scenes he's in. They kind of touch on in the trailer. There's maybe one or two that they don't, but it really is. Alessandro Bela, I can't even remember his last name. Um, but uh, the guy from Jurassic Park 3, that's all I know. Um, but Dickie Moltisanti is the main star of the movie, and you really have to be paying attention to even pick out soprano characters in the background. And then when it's over, I remember thinking wow, are, are we getting a follow-up? I'm, I'm hoping, it almost, it played like part one of maybe a few more. Like, we were just yeah. getting into We were just getting into the stuff. And the Dickie Moltisanti stuff was interesting. So it was, I just was kind of like, I don't know, there was things I liked about it. You know, there were a lot of great scenes in it. and But then there was stuff in it that I was just kind of like, man, I kind of wanted more. So, but all in all, I, I enjoyed the movie. There, 
there were, I, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Um, I would say that there were, that there were kind of, um, parts, especially with like characters, like, uh, you know, with, with Leslie Odom Jr.'s character and the whole kind of black mafia of, of, of New York. I feel like there was a lot of stuff that they, that they, that they could have done that they that they didn't do like in essence my whole thing was i'm like okay at the end like why am i supposed to care about the this crew like what yeah that was really that whole because i i again from the trailers you saw that they were kind of touch on the the real life uh the the black riots of the time right the tv show itself makes references to it a lot in fact, there's an episode where there's, oh gosh, it's been a while. There was a couple of politicians and one was black, one was white, and they were both running for office or something and kind of getting into bed with Tony Soprano and his crew. And they are talking about the riots when they were younger and the right. they played in it. And when I saw the movie, there's a, I mean, the riots really, you don't see a lot of it. Cause I, you know, you see one or two scenes in the trailer and you're like, oh wow, this looks like a big, but really, it was kind of in the background. They really didn't. It was really more the the Leslie Odom, his character Harold, and his relationship with Dickie Moltisanti. And the riots were just kind of more of a background thing. And um, again, that was another thing that I, the the trailer kind of kind of threw me off a bit. Yeah, and, and they really didn't. And that was another thing. They really didn't resolve. That's why I keep thinking this is like, it's almost like a first part of a series because now you're thinking, okay, Tony thinks Harold is the one that's responsible for Dickie's death because he was witnessing all this animosity. He doesn't know that it was, again, spoilers, Uncle Junior, the one is the one that ordered the hit. So you're thinking, okay, are there, is there going to be any resolution to that? Because you see Tony kind of brooding. So in his mind, he thinks that it was Harold. But then you see the movie ends with Harold just kind of moving into a new house and everything. And and it seems like his crew's okay. So I, you know, I was like waiting for more. And so I don't know. Well, not even that, but like the the kind of the biggest, kind of the biggest like, you know, WTF moment I had was the last scene that they show of I mean oh I'm sorry they show Tony at the wake but like the last kind of scene they show of Tony prior to that is when he's throwing the speakers out the window yeah and he and he's telling his dad I don't want any part of this and I'm like well that's like I'm like okay well that you know I'm like they're gonna have I'm like we're almost like you know, this movie's almost over, and, like, you know, that's kind of, like, an anticlimactic way to, like... We know he's coming back in, obviously. We know he's going back into the business. So, like, right, if you're watching it, you're thinking, what? Okay, is there any... What's going to bring him back in? Is it that he's going to take revenge for Uncle Dickie and try and hit Harold? I, you don't know. Something, you know, he's still... All his friends are still kind of, uh, you know... His, Jackie April, he's kind of getting to know, you know, Pussy and and Polly and and Silvio and you know, you know, 
while, while they, they said this isn't a Tony origin story, it kind of wasn't because, you know, you got a little taste of it, but it kind of left me at least wanting more because now I kind of want to see where they're going to go with it. Well, so I don't know if this is a standalone movie. It didn't, it didn't seem like a standalone movie. It seemed like the first of maybe like a series of prequels. Yeah, and what I said on Twitter was, I'm hoping it's not a standalone movie, because if if it was a standalone movie, it was terrible. But if it's... It didn't play like a standalone movie. To use a Bond reference, going back, it's kind of like Spectre. When, I, when, I, when Spectre ended, I was just kind of like, okay, Blofeld's still alive, Bond is quitting the service and driving off. I was like, okay, um... I know that's not going to happen. Is there going to be, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be a follow-up. I kind of get the same thing with this. It's like, I'm kind of okay. Hopefully there's a follow-up because you really left this open-ended. Yeah. And kind of going back to bond real quick. One of the things that was kind of disappointing with, with uh specter was, um, you know, like Boilfeld is supposed to be like, you know, he's bonds nemesis. And, in the in the early movies where you get um you know where you get Blofeld's reveal um you know he he is quite menacing and it's obvious. Well, if you um, ignore if you ignore Diamonds Are Forever with yeah uh, Blofeld getting in drag, right? Uh, you know they kind of that one really kind of let the menacing go, but uh, yeah, you only live twice and. And and on her majesties, I thought were both Blofelds were amazing. Right. And, and I love both those actors I have. I don't know if you can see I have my little Telly Savalas twelve inch Blofeld here. Oh, interesting. And um but you know, and even in the pre prior to those movies, when you when Blofeld was just in the shadows and you saw hands and him stroking a cat, they really right. built him up as a menace. And when I heard Christoph Waltz was playing Blofeld, I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. Because I love that actor. I think he's going to do an amazing job. And the writing just, I don't, I, I think the writing, they gave him to harp on Spectre, which is a movie I don't bash a lot. I mean, I can still watch and enjoy. But, the you know, them taking over a surveillance of the Nine Eyes program, I was like, okay, that's kind of low stakes. And I, you know, the, the torture scene I thought was pretty good. Although the drilling in the back of the head with Bond, that's taken from the books. That's actually, um, that whole scene was lifted from, uh, if you've ever read Colonel Sun. Yeah. That, that whole scene was taken from that book. Um, but I thought it was pretty effective in the movie, but in the end, I was just kind of like let down by Blofeld. So that's why in no, no time to die, they're bringing Blofeld back. And I'm really hoping that they give him that gravitas and that menace as the guy who's kind of behind Safin and maybe behind all this, the still ruling Spectre. I'm, I'm really hoping for something like that. To yeah. I, I, um, and I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I was, when I, when I saw that Christoph, you know, Waltz wasn't, I'm like, and I, you know, I, I'm a Quentin Tarantino fan. So I've seen in Glorious Bastards, I've seen how sadistic he can be. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, sweet. We're going from Javier Bardem playing arguably what, arguably my favorite Bond villain. 
um, to Christoph Waltz. This is going to be good. And I'm like, and I was kind of like, eh, this guy isn't really like, isn't really giving me like any creepy vibes or anything whatsoever. I should be like. They, plus they, 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 the whole I'm your brother thing, I thought just fell flat. I, I was not a fan of that at all. I mean, yeah, they kind of, they, it kind of reminded me, like, they tried to do, like, Blofeld, also a bit of Alec Trevelyan, too, with, uh, with Waltz's Blofeld, but, yeah, again, it just fell flat. And again, they took, actually, they took most of that kind of from the books. Um, if you've read the short stories, there's, um, the short story Octopussy is, um, Bond, um, an agent has killed because the character Oberhauser, the man who, after his parents died, he went to stay with and he taught him how to ski. All that's from the books that's in the story. He lives to an older age and this major Dexter Smythe killed Oberhauser. And then he went into hiding. Bond tracks him down and kills him. Well, he goes to kill him. He goes out to sea and is is killed by his pet octopus, Octopussy. So they kind of took Octopussy, the movie, took that story and said, oh, well, he, that guy had a daughter named Octopussy and Bond let him live or let him go out on his own terms. They used that element for that movie. But then they took the idea of this guy who watched over Bond for a year before he went into full-time custody of his aunt Um but this guy Oberhauser, they took that concept and said, well, maybe if he lived with him for a year, what if he had a son and the son was incredibly jealous and then that son became Blofeld. So it's like they, I, I felt like, okay, you didn't need to add all that. He could just be Blofeld. I mean, that's enough. I, I think they were trying to, because Skyfall did such an amazing job drawing from his past, bringing in, you know, the memory of his parents, the place where he grew up. But then they like, oh, let's kind of bring more of his past in. That worked in Skyfall. Let's do that in Spectre now. And it just kind of fell, for me, it fell really flat. And so I was like, eh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought that with like bringing the parents and they were going to like, that was kind of like setting something up to like, you know, bring like in more information about that. And then they kind of never, you know, they mentioned it like a little bit, but they didn't do as much with that as, as they could have. So, yeah, I'm hoping that we get, um, I'm hoping that we definitely get, you know, Blofeld, like more, you know, the Blofeld we, we know. So, because I think if the right, if it's written right, I think Christoph Waltz could do it. I mean, now, as we know from the end of Spectre, he, now he's got the scar. Now he's got, we've seen a couple scenes in the movie, but, you know, it's a good, almost a three-hour movie, so there's a ton we haven't seen yet. I think if written right, you know, hopefully he's not in a jail cell the whole time like Hannibal Lecter, but I would like to see him really up the menace factor, and I think he could do it if, it, if, he's, if they write it wide, if they, if they write it well enough. Yeah, and I mean, if they really want to... And again, this isn't spoilers, but from what I've read, they're kind of making Madeline into the Tracy, into yeah. Craig's Tracy, so, so to speak, which I kind of saw them doing at the end of 
Spectre anyway. Same here. I thought for sure, I was like, okay, if she's back in it, she's got like the opening sequence, they're going to kill her off and Bond's going to go after revenge. But it looks like she's a main character throughout the movie. So that's kind of that little theory's out the window. But I think I think there's some truth to that. I think there that, you know, there might be some Tracy element with Madeline Swan because this is like someone like at the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service that he is going to get in a car with and drive away at the end and go live happily ever after with. Yeah, I I do know that like I do know from what I've heard from some of like the non-spoiler reviews I guess the opening like prologue or whatever after the gun barrel sequence is 30 minutes long. I heard it's a very long opening. So, so yeah, like we're, so we're a good 30 minutes into the movie before we even get like a, you know, a title sequence. Which I think before that, the record was the world is not enough has, I think almost a 20 minute opening sequence before the titles come on. Yeah. I think that holds the record of the longest, but I think this one, yeah, I think this one's going to beat it. That and that one was that one is also my favorite opening. Oh, uh, I was. I I lo- yes, I went when I was in London. I did. I I, I uh, like to hit all the. Bo- I, I I like to check off Bond filming locations, and I kind of went to areas along the Thames that were used in that movie, leading all the way up to the to the Millennial Center, where uh, at the end, where yeah. the chase ends. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. So, um, and then a question that I always get asked that is really hard to rank is favorite Bond girl. Wow. That's a good one too. Honestly, I love Tracy. Talking about Tracy, Diana Rigg as Tracy is up there as one of my favorites because she is... You know, whenever a new Bond movie comes out, they always say, oh, this Bond is going to be James Bond's equal, and they never are. And, you know, they, they've tried to make... She was one that was such a complicated character. She seemed like she was Bond's equal in that she had a crappy past. She, you know, her mother died. Especially if you read the novel, you, you get even more of her past. But she's just had a just a terrible life. And she felt, you know, at the beginning of the movie, she tries to kill herself and she just has this hole in her life. And then she meets James Bond and it's like the two of them kind of complete something in each other. And there's a moment, one of my favorite moments of the movie, and she's a capable person because one of my favorite moments in the movie, Lazenby's being chased and he's just come out of peace, Gloria and he's running around in the small town and the guys are closing in and he's near a skating rink and he's sitting there and he's got his, he's slumped down and he's looking down at the ground and Lazenby does an amazing job near panic. He knows he's like, there's nothing I can do. I'm totally screwed. And then he just sees her skate up and lo- he looks up. Right. Yeah. He comes to his rescue. They get into her car. She drives. And I mean, she does, she's super capable and she just is like a complete, I don't know. She's I, she's probably one of my favorite Bond girls of all. And Diana Rigg does such an amazing job with her, and I, I, would, I really love that movie. And I love her portrayal. Yeah, I I would. I mean, On Her Majesty's I think is one of the best Bond films ever. It's you know 
it's very underrated. It, that one, that one, it has to be the most underrated one, particularly because I think Lesnby only did one. Right. But yeah. Her, I mean, she's one of my top Bond girls. I mean, I would say that, I would say that like Natalia from Golden Eye is a, is another one that mm-hmm. ranks uh, pretty high. Um, it's interesting with Natalia. One thing I noticed about her, she is a devastatingly beautiful actress. Oh yeah. Most of the movie though, she dresses very plainly. She's very smart. They underplay the sort of they almost the opposite of every other Bond girl. They very much underplay her beauty and make her a very smart character cuz she you know, when it comes to computers and technology, you know, Bond's a dinosaur. She is very smart, very capable, but they downplay the you know the 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 exterior yeah she's a very very intelligent person she's she's the opposite of denise richards where everyone where (laughs) yeah that's true where you know like and as a kid who grew up in the 90s i have to say i'm a fan of denise richards for other reasons but yeah it's like it's like come on i'm not buying that you know she's a nuclear physicist so christmas jones oh lordy she, uh, I think she, yeah, Christmas only comes once so, <laughs> a year. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, I, and I love Vesper. Um, I love, I mean, there's so many more that just amazing portrayals. Uh, you know, it's talking about Timothy or, uh, Timothy talking about Pierce. Um, I liked, um, oh, Ma- um, I'm blanking on her name now from Michelle Yao. Michelle Yao. Uh, I loved her character. I thought she was a fantastic character. I liked, as bad as Christmas Jones was, I thought uh, Electra King, played by Sophie Marcel, I thought she was amazing. I thought she was stunning in that movie. Such a good actress. Because she plays the helpless Bond girl who's like, you know, protect me, protect me, to becoming this cold-blooded killer who's going to kill M and have her boyfriend, you know, set off a nuclear device. so I, I think she's amazing as well. Um, so I, I don't know. There's, there's so, there's such a rich history. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it's really one of those things where it's like, well, you can't just pick one because there, yeah. there's, you know, like the, because like so many of the, of the bonds, you know, they span the decades. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think I can't remember. I can't remember either the name of the Bond girl or, or the actress, but the one from 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 Russia with Love. I oh, think... Daniela Bianchi played uh, Natalia Romanova. Rom- Rom- yeah, something like that. Yeah, Rom- yeah, Romanova or something. Yeah, Romanova. I, yeah. you know, uh, from Russia with Love is a very good Cold War, you know, piece. And prior to seeing that for the first time, they actually made like a video game remake of From Russia with Love. Yes, uh, I have it somewhere. Which, which is kind of weird because if you count the remake, yep i I played that I played that many many times. In fact, that was kind of you know again going back to that summer where I I rewatched the entirety of the Bond series through the first time that was 
that was kind of my inspiration to do that, so to speak. Um, Connery came back to do the voice in that. Yeah. Which I thought was, which I thought was interesting. And I, and I wish they had done that for like some of the other ones, maybe, but, um, Daniel Craig came back for a couple. I mean, he did, did he do Bloodstone? Yeah, he, yeah, he did Bloodstone. And then he did a remake of, he did a remake of GoldenEye that was like supposed to be a sequel. It was like supposed to be kind of like the conclusion of the Casino Royale, you know, uh, Quantum, and then. It was always going to be a conclusion of that series before heading into Skyfall. Um, oh, was that 007 Legends? No, that that was the remake of like GoldenEye Reloaded or something. I think. Oh, okay. What, so they so they somehow fit GoldenEye into the Craig chronology with mm, that, but okay. and I mean it was it was okay, but it wasn't it wasn't great. Um, it wasn't like the original 64 game. It was kind. Of, it was just kind of like a reskin, which you That's know. What That's what I've heard. Um, it, it yeah, it's a little it's a little jarring just to hear uh, Pierce's lines come out of Craig's mouth. I <laughs> guess. I guess so. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, you know, the Bond franchise in terms of games, they haven't had one for like, I think, 10 or 11 years now. So well, They did announce one's coming. There's a, I forget who's doing it. A new company's picked up the license, and I nobody knows anything about it, but there is one in development right now. Yeah, yeah. supposedly the ones who did the Hitman games, which I've never That's played. It. Me neither. So I don't, yeah. So I'm, I'm not as much of a gamer as I used to be when I was oh, a kid, neither. so... You know, maybe 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 one of your kids could kind of be like the the test, you know, the test dummy for, for yep. that sort of thing. So, but anyway, well, um, any final thoughts on Bond with the Sopranos or anything? Nope. I I'm just like I said, I'm just looking forward to seeing No Time to Die, and uh, I'm really curious. I'm really curious. I've been waiting for this movie for a very, like everyone else, for a very long time. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see what happens. I, I, I am curious, curious now because I, I kind of reached a point where I was kind of like, I was hyped for it, and then I just lost complete interest, and I was kind of like, a lot of people, yeah. I was kind of like, well, I'm not gonna get excited for it until I see, you know, that there's like, that there's like an official. When the premiere happens, then I'll believe that it, that it happened. Yeah, that's pretty much until I'm sitting in the theater and it's on in front of me. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get my hopes up. Yeah, because we had, uh, I mean, like, there were like five uh, release dates. Six. 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 Wow. It was originally supposed to be November 2019. They pushed it back to Valentine's Day, and if they 2020, if they stuck with that, the movie would have come out. And they're like, well, let's push it back a little bit. April 2020, and that was the kiss of death. COVID came, went back to October 2020. October, November 2020. That didn't happen. Went to April 2021, and then that didn't happen. And now we've got this date. 
and we'll see. I mean, it's out. Uh, it looks like it's done. I got my tickets. It's already, the movie's already out. So, you know, half the, yeah. you know, Europe's already seen it. So there's, you know, they, they can't delay it now. So it looks like it's finally here. It is here. I'll be there Wednesday night. Yeah. And then, you know, Amazon just bought MGM too, which I find very interesting. Yeah. Too. And I'm, I'm interested to see what the ramifications for the future of Bond are. So. All right, so Ron, thanks for coming on. And where can uh, people find you if they would like to, uh, you know, get in touch with you or, you know, um, look up your podcast or anything like that? Podcast of the Apes. Um, it's, you know, do a search. It's there. I'm all over Facebook. Um, no, I don't really do Twitter that much. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Mark. And, uh yeah. We'll have to have you on, you know, here pretty soon to, part you know, two. yeah, part two. So we're definitely planning on it. And, uh, you know, thanks for going on. I know this podcast has been in the making for almost as long as yeah. uh, no, no Time, time to, to Die itself has. So really appreciate it. Right. But uh, anyway, thanks for going on, man. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Whitfield Report on the NGC Network. Please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash whitfieldreport. Until next time, God bless, God save this great nation, and God, freedom, legacy, in that order. <laughs>